So we've got the part three of this Marcus series that we've been talking about. In this series, we've been talking about a guy called Joshua, who was the leader of a nation called Israel. His mentor, a guy called Moses, had died and he had taken the reins. And so uh, where we've left it off is that um, Joshua and the people were in the wilderness, uh, a place called the wilderness, which was like the desert, and they'd lived there for 40 years. And now they were on the verge of going to a new place, a place that God had promised them called the promised land. And so we discussed in in week one just about the vision that God had for them. And we discussed the vision that God has for us as a church, Generation Church. Then last week we talked about um, how Joshua was diligent and he mapped out the way to go. He got the map and he did his homework and he knew exactly which roads to take. And so we talked about the mission that they were going on and we talked about the mission here at Generation Church. Well today we're going to talk about the green light. Now if you are driving, how many of you like to see a green light? Most of you. How many of you like to see red lights? Like None of you, unless you like your text and drive. You're like, it's a great idea just to text and drive. You shouldn't do that, just to let you know. Uh, but I, I don't know if you're like me, but I love green lights. And when I'm driving, this is sometimes what I do just between us, you know, uh, us kids this morning. This is what I do when I see a green light, and I'm sure many of you like it. My foot goes on the gas. How many of you do that? Like, you see a green light? Yeah, exactly. How many of you, your foot goes on the, gra- on the gas when you see the yellow light? Yeah, yeah, exactly. And, 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 and the worst thing, the biggest pet peeve I have is that when I'm driving and suddenly you're in a line of traffic and you've seen the distance, the green light, and you're like, yes, we're making progress. And you're telling everyone, come on, go, go. And people are going. And then there's this car in front. They're taking their sweet little time. They're like, got, they're in, they're, they're, they're not in a rush like everybody else. And then you see, and it's about to turn yellow. And if you're, and you know that you would put your foot on the gas and you would go, but they are so good. They're like the perfect driver. They never want to break the law and then they stop for the red light. How annoying is that, right? And that's like life at times, because sometimes we get the green light and we go, and the green light basically, it, it, it means this. In all countries, everybody, the green light is a universal, universal symbol, and it means go, advance, move forward. That's what it means. And so there's times in life when you will get the green light and you will go. And then, but there's other times in life it feels like everybody else is going except for you. It feels like the red light just stops right when it's your time. And we've talked about on this series so far that every one of us is on a journey of faith. Some of you, you've been on this journey of faith for a long time. Others, you're just starting this journey of faith. And some of you, you may be just exploring this journey of faith. But I believe all of us are on a journey of faith. And sometimes on this journey of faith, you will find that everybody else is advancing. Everybody else is on green. But sometimes you're just stuck on red. And it feels like everybody else, their life is moving forward, but yours is just stuck. But this is what I've discovered. If you stay on the journey of faith long enough, then eventually your time will come to go. And God will give you a green light and you'll be able to advance forward. If you're at a traffic light, there are some traffic lights that are quicker than others. But eventually that traffic light will move forward and will go. Now, when I'm driving on the highway, I have an issue because... 
most of you, like, I, I don't have a commute at all, so I can't complain about a commute, but I don't like traffic. So some of you, you are on 95 every morning, and you know what it means to be in bumper-to-bumper traffic, and this is you. I can see you right now. You are, like, five minutes late, and the traffic has stopped. You're in the middle lane. Traffic stopped, but you see traffic moving in the left-hand lane. So you turn over the left-hand lane. As soon as you turn, the traffic stops in the left-hand lane, right? This is what happens. Then you see everyone moving in the middle, so you go back, and then it stops again, and you feel like you keep moving, switching lanes, but you're not advancing at all but what I've discovered in like the I don't know the 20 odd years I've been driving I've discovered you just stay in the same lane because everybody gets there equally as fast actually sometimes the lane with all the trucks is sometimes quicker than the lanes with all the fast cars but that's what life is at times sometimes we're just trying to 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 move forward to advance to 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 go and this was like the Israelites for 40 years they were in the wilderness and they were walking in circles they were in this parking lot it was like 95 at 8 in the morning and they were moving nowhere for 40 years and then suddenly God says okay guys it's time to go Here's your green light. It is time to go. And so for them, what a moment. What a day. They've been waiting 40 years. It's like, could you imagine being stuck at a traffic light for 40 years? In the end, you're like, just forget it. I'm just going to go anyway. And and this is what the Israelites were, were doing. And God said, go. It was a moment that they'd been waiting for all their lives. It was a day of destiny. They had survived the desert. And I don't know how they did it. 40 years in a desert. If I go one day to the beach. I'm complaining because I got sand in my shoes and socks and up my nose and I didn't even know how we get to there. They spent 40 years like that and now their day of destiny had come. And the blessings and the promises of God were about to be poured out on them. But this is what I've discovered about the blessings and the, and the promises of God. They don't just drop out the sky. See, God may have promised you something. You may be like seeking the blessings of God or the promises of God, but they just don't drop out of the sky. In fact, very often God requires us to do some certain things in order to reach those promises. And this was the same for the Israelites as well. And this is what I believe that God wants you to do. God wants you to follow him. He wants you to trust him and he wants you to step out in faith for him. And so this morning, I want to give you some, some things that from the book of Joshua that I see that God uses in order to help you go through that green light. When you see the green light and say, God says go, now's the time to walk into the promises of God. I want to show you some things that you need to do in your life and also we need to do in the life of this church so that we can advance forward. So the first thing is this. I want to ask you three questions. First question is this. Who are you following? Who are you following? If you've got your Bibles, if you want to turn to Joshua chapter 1 and verse, verses, uh, sorry, Joshua chapter 3, verses 1 to 6. This is what it says. Early the next morning, Joshua and all the Israelites left Acacia Grove and arrived at the banks of the Jordan River where they camped before crossing. So they're in the wilderness. The place that they are going is here. And right in the middle, there is a thing called the Jordan River. Verse 2, three days later, so they camped there for three days, the Israelite officers went through the camp, giving these instructions to the people. When you see the Levitical priests carrying the Ark of the Covenant of the Lord your God, move out from your positions and follow them. 
Since you have never traveled this way before, they will guide you. Stay about half a mile behind them, keeping a clear distance between you and the ark. Make sure you don't come any closer. Then Joshua told the people, purify yourselves, for tomorrow the Lord will do great wonders among you. Then it said, in the morning, Joshua said to the priests, lift up the Ark of the Covenant and lead the people across the river. And so they started out and went ahead of the people. So just to paraphrase that for a moment, God said to Joshua, tell the priests that they are to go first. Remember last week we discussed, we dis- discovered that Joshua was diligent. Joshua had mapped out the land. He had mapped out the route and he knew the way he was going. And so he gave this map to the priests and he said to the priests, you go first. And then he said to the people, everybody follow the priests because you have not traveled this road before. You don't know the way to go, but the priests know the way to go. So the people follow the priests. And let me ask you today, who are you following? Who are you following? Because the people that you follow, the things and the people that you follow determines where you end up. So again, the people and the things that you follow determine the places that you end up. If you want to go where God has got all these promises for you, but you're following someone who's going in a totally different direction, then don't be surprised if you end up over there, not in the promises of God. See, the priests were in the Old Testament times, in, the old, in ancient Israel, the priests were the representatives of God. Now, I'm not a priest, so we're thankful for that, right? You don't have to come to me for confession or anything like that, so we're good. And the reason is, is because when the New Testament came, when Jesus came, Jesus became our priest. So Jesus is our priest. And what a priest is, they are your representative before God. They go to God for you. And so the priests in the, in the old Jewish nation, they would be the ones that went to God with the sacrifices and they would take the, the things to God and God would accept them from the priests. And so there was no better people to follow than the priests because they were the ones who were close to God. They were the ones who made the sacrifice sacrifices to God. And as we journey through this thing called life, this journey of faith, there will come roads that you come to that you have not traveled before. There will come streets and and, and trails in your life that you have not traveled before you do not know the way to go. So we need people who will guide us, people who will direct us. Now, one of my ambitions in life, uh, I don't have a bucket list, but if I did, then this would be on my bucket list. Now, you're going to laugh at this one, but one of my ambitions in life, I would love to climb Mount Everest. I would love to do it. Now, you may look at me like, Alex, you do not have the body to (laughs) climb Mount Everest. Yeah, I know that, but it's my dream, okay? And I would love to do it. I love mountain climbing. I love, like, going, like, up peaks and everything and and climbing. But there's nobody who's ever climbed Mount Everest just by themselves. They've never just gone up to a mountain or other big mountains and says, hey, there's the peak. I'm going to go up there. No, they need a guide. And Mount Everest, they call them Sherpas. And the, the people who have traveled the road before, they know the areas, they know the pitfalls, and they, they lead the people up. And then the people who are climbing, they follow the guides. 
And in our lives, we need people to follow as well. Did you know that every one of us, we're following something or someone? Some of you, you may think, well, no, I just, I just go to the beat of my own drum. I'm not following anybody. I'm an individual. But the reality is, even if you're like that, you're still following someone or something. And so who are you following? Where are they taking you? Because who you follow determines where you end up. Now, my wife says to me that I am the worst. You always love it when your wife says you're the worst, right? So my wife says, I am the worst person to follow in a car. You know, like if you say, hey, just follow me. I know the way. And then you get in your car and you follow another car. My wife says I'm the worst because I'll get in there and I'm like in and out of lanes because I'm that guy who goes in and out of lanes. And, uh, and like I'm speeding. I want to get there. And then like people are always slow. And I'm like, come on, uh, because they're not fast enough. And then sometimes my wife will say, uh, are they still behind you? I look in the rear, mirror, rear view mirror. And I'm like, oh, no, I don't know where they went because I'm not always looking out for them. And sometimes... In this journey of faith, in this thing called life, we follow people like that. We follow people who are taking us almost like on a wild goose chase. And we, we, we look at them, we think, oh, wow, I want to follow that person. But they take us to a place that we should never go to or a place that will not take us to the promises that God has for us. See, there are people that we follow who will take us to our destiny, who will take us to the promises that God has for us. And then there are those who will lead us to a path where we are lost. So I ask you today, whether you are 18 or 75, I'm not sure in this room if we've got anyone out of that. Maybe we've got some younger ones. I don't think we've got older ones. If we have, you look good for your age. If you are between 18 and, 70, 18 and 75, this is what I want to ask you today. Who are you mentoring? Or oh, sorry, who is mentoring you? Who is mentoring you? Who is guiding you? Who are you following? See, all of us, no matter how old or young we are, there are roads that we come to in life that we have not traveled before. And so we need to learn from other people. If, if your marriage is on the rocks, then you need to learn from people who have overcome rocky marriages. If your finances are just overwhelming you, then you need to learn from people who have overcome financial difficulties and walked into financial blessing. If if you are struggling in your faith and maybe you're doubting or maybe you're just having a hard time, you need to follow people who have come out of those difficulties. See, I believe every one of us, we need mentors. We need mentors. And so who is mentoring you? Be careful who you follow, because who you follow determines where you end up. The other thing I want to ask you, just in regards to this, who are we following, is whether you are 18 or or 75 or anything in between, who are you mentoring? Who are you mentoring? See, everyone, every one of us has something that we can teach to other people. None of us have arrived and, and we know all the answers. See, all of us, we will travel roads that we've never been on before and others will help us. But we will also travel roads that we've been on before that others have not been on before. Did you know that an 18-year-old can mentor a 50-year-old? Did you know a 75-year-old could mentor a 21-year-old? Why? Because they may have been on roads that others have not traveled before. 
So who are you mentoring? If you've had a successful marriage, and what I mean a successful marriage, it's not like, man, these last three months have been good. You know, I'm like over a long period of time, if you've had a successful marriage, then you should be imparting that knowledge into other people, into young couples. And we've got a lot of young couples in, in our church. If you have overcome financial difficulties, then you should be imparting in other people how to take care of their finances. If, if, if you know how to bring up kids, and all of us, we need help bringing up our kids, then you should be imparting that in other people. Because there are roads that you have traveled that others have not traveled before. And if you are strong in your faith and you know you've overcome a lot in your faith, then shouldn't you be mentoring other people and helping other people come along as well? See, use that achievement and that know-how to influence other people in making the right decisions and showing them the way. So my question, number one question is, who are you following? Second question I want to ask you today is this, who are you trusting? Who are you trusting? Joshua chapter 3 verse 7 tells us this. The Lord told Joshua, today I will begin to make you a great leader in the eyes of the Israelites. They will know that I am with you just as I was with Moses. Give this command to the priests who carry the Ark of the Covenant. When you reach the banks of the Jordan River, take a few steps into the river and stop there. So Joshua told the Israelites, come and listen to what the Lord your God says. Today you will know that the living God is amongst you. He will surely drive out the Canaanites, the Hittites, the Hivites, the Pezuzites, the Gershuzites, the Amorites, the Jebusites, and every other ite there is ahead of you. Look, the ark of the covenant, which belongs to the Lord of the whole earth, will lead you across the Jordan River. Now choose 12 men from the tribes of Israel, one from each tribe. The priests will carry the ark of the Lord, the Lord of all the earth. As soon as their feet touch the water, the flow of the water will be cut off upstream and the river will stand up like a wall. So God is saying this to Joshua. He says, okay, so the priests aren't just to go by themselves. They are to carry the Ark of the Covenant. Now, if you're a fan of Indiana Jones, you know what the Ark of the Covenant is. But if you're not, let me just quickly tell you. The Ark of the Covenant, God told Moses to create and make this thing called the Ark of the Covenant. They put the Ten Commandments in. They put some manna in, which was food that God provided for them while they were in uh, the desert. And basically, it represented the presence of God. Where the ark was, the presence of God was. And nobody was to touch the ark. The only people who could carry it were the priests. Because it was so powerful that people would die if they touched it. And basically to the people of Israel, it meant when they saw the ark, they saw the presence of God. And so Joshua said, when you see the ark, you know that you can trust in God. And so they started trusting in God. They followed the ark because they knew they could trust in God. See, when you come to a green light, so tomorrow morning when you're on your way to work, or maybe you're doing the grocery shop run, and you come to a green light, you're going to go forward. But you come to an intersection and you are trusting that the city have got all the computer programs right and that the other intersection, they've got a red light. 
Because if everyone's green, there's going to be a whole lot of mess. And so you are trusting in them. I don't know why we trust them, but we trust them. Several years ago, when I was living in England, I was on my way home from work one night, and I was driving down the road, and there was a street to my left, and this city bus came up to the intersection. There was a stop sign there. And the city bus went right through the stop sign and plowed right into the side of me. I mean, I was shocked. It was crazy accident. And the crazy thing is the bus driver said he wasn't at fault. I'm like, you went through a stop sign, dude. I mean, you're at fault. So my insurance company sued his insurance company, and it was messy kind of thing. And so it all got resolved. But what happened to me is it kind of scarred me a little. So for months and years after, every time I was driving, and if I came to a a road to my side, to my left or right, and I saw a car or bus or truck approaching, suddenly I'd get these flashbacks. Suddenly, like, my foot would go on the brake, and I would be very aware of what was going on. Really, I shouldn't have to worry about what other people are doing. Everyone should trust the road sign, so you should go. And if there's a stop sign, you should trust that the other person is, is going to stop. But for that period of time, and sometimes even today, I catch myself. Sometimes just looking if someone's going to go right through that stop sign. Because I'd lost my trust in the road signs. And in your life right now, who are you trusting? Who are you trusting? In my life right now, I'm trusting the markets. So I put money aside each month for retirement. And I'm trusting that when I get to 65, 70, 75, whenever I'm going to be able to retire, when Social Security is gone, you know, when I actually am able to retire, I'm trusting that the money I've put aside, that the markets have worked in my favor so that there's actually money there. And they didn't decide to take the money instead. I'm trusting in BGE. I mean, am I a fool or what? But I trust that BGE will send me electricity every single day to my house. And then I trust on top of that, that they will send me a bill for the actual amount of electricity that I use. And sometimes in like February, March, I look at it, I'm like, you bunch of liars. I never use that much electricity. But we trust in those sort of things. But in your life right now, in your journey of faith, in your walk in life, who are you trusting? Is your trust in your, in your employers or your friends or your family? Or is it in your bank account? Is it in your, uh, uh, is it in your stocks? What is your trust in right now? Is it in the school that's teaching your kids? What is your trust in? See, the people of Israel, they place their trust in God And even though they were following the priests, really they were trusting in the presence of God because they could see the Ark of the Covenant. And I ask you, are you trusting in God in your life right now? Do you see God's presence in your life and do you trust it? See, sometimes we see God's presence, but we don't always trust it. And there are times in life that we just have a problem in trusting God. You know, in 2009... Just before we started Generation Church, before we went on the journey of starting Generation Church, my wife and myself, we were working at the same place, and she felt that she needed to resign her position and and come off staff at where we were. And we knew what that meant. It meant that we would then have to go down to one income. And we were staff pastors at a church. And staff pastors don't earn much money. And and we were at a place where we earned hardly anything at all. And so we knew what that meant. So we came up with a plan. 
that my wife would start her own business. She would do some interpreting, some like interpret Spanish into English. And then she would also do some graphic design. And we, we thought, you know, that we would do this, start this little company and it would make a bunch of money for us and we would be great and everything. So we started it and she got different jobs here and there. And so what we decided to do that she came off staff, we went down to this one income and we were relying that she could supplement her income with this other stuff. We decided that we weren't going to make any changes in our life. Instead, we were going to trust God. So we decided, okay, we're going to continue to tithe, but we're going to continue to tithe at the same level as what we were before. And we're going to continue doing a trusting God. We're not going to go and get 50 million jobs. You know, I'm not going to go and deliver pizzas and then, you know, and then go and deliver newspapers and everything to supplement my income. We're going to trust in God. And so that January, when I started doing my tax return that year, I looked at my tax return. I thought there must be a mistake. Because I looked at what we had earned that year. It was low. And what I mean by low, it was really, really low. I couldn't believe how little that we had earned that year. And I turned to Raquel, I was like, how did we make it? How did we make it? But you know, in 2009, the great thing was, it was a year we just trusted in God. And even in that time, our debt went down. We didn't go into more debt. And we actually did things that we couldn't even do before. I don't know how. I have no scientific explanation or anything like that. All I know is we trusted in God and God pulled through. Because when you trust in God, God will see you through. And we're at that place now, this fall, where, where uh, things happen that uh, my wife had to finish her job so she could look after our son. Now we're back down to one income. And when I first heard about it, yeah, I kind of freaked out a little. I was like, how are we going to make it? But then I started realizing God was faithful in 2009. And the economy was tanked in 2009. I don't know how we made it, but if we made it then, then I know God is going to see us through now. And so now I'm not worrying about it. Why? Because God has been trusted before, and God has seen us through before, and God will see us through again. Actually, I'm a little excited because I can't wait to see what God's doing because now we're putting our full trust in God for all that stuff. So who are you trusting? Ultimately, are you trusting God? Last question for you this morning before we finished. Where are you stepping? Where are you stepping? Joshua chapter 3 verse 14 says, So the people left their camp to cross the Jordan. And the priests who were carrying the Ark of the Covenant went ahead of them. It was harvest season, or some translations say flood season. And the Jordan River was overflowing its banks. But as soon as the feet of the priests who were carrying the Ark touched the water, At the river's edge, the water above that point began backing up a great distance away at a town called Adam, which is near Zaraneth. And the water below that point flowed onto the Dead Sea until the riverbed was dry. Then all the people crossed over near the town of Jericho. Meanwhile, the priests who were carrying the Ark of the Lord's Covenant stood on dry ground in the middle of the riverbed as the people passed by. They waited there until the whole nation of Israel had crossed on dry ground. So basically, this is what happened. God said to, 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 uh, to, to Joshua, tell the priests to take their feet and step into the Jordan River. And then what happened is the Jordan River backed up. 
I don't know what happened if some beavers got together and built a dam or what. I don't know. But it backed up. And then the, the river below flowed down to the Dead Sea, which is the lowest sea in, in, in the whole of planet Earth. And it, and it flowed down. See, what God said to Joshua, Joshua, you're going to have to step out in faith to see my promises. See, years before, 40 years before, if any of you have seen the movie, The Ten Commandments, you remember, jo- uh, remember Moses. Moses came face to face with the Red Sea. And he got his staff, he put it in the ground, and God parted the Red Sea. It was a miracle of their generation. Now, all these people who were crossing the Jordan River, apart from Joshua and maybe a few others, none of them had seen Joshua, uh, Moses do that miracle. they never seen that miracle be done before. But now God was saying, look, to this generation, I'm going to show you that I am a God of miracles. I am a God who can be trusted. I am a God when you step out in faith, I will provide and I will do great things for you. See, this was the deal. The Jordan River is a tiny little river. It's not a big river. It's not like the Mississippi and it's not even the Susquehanna. In fact, the Jordan River, most places on a normal day, it's about... A hundred feet to cross, that's it. It's maybe about five feet deep. There's some places that are eight feet, but like five feet deep. It's easy to cross the Jordan River. No problem at all. Just take off your clothes, put your swimming trunks on and, you know, do it. But they came to the Jordan River at the worst time. Sometimes when you're following God... You follow God and God takes you on a path. You're like, God, why did you bring us this? Why didn't, why didn't God take them... A couple of months before. No, God took them when it was flood season. This is the difference with the Jordan River. The Jordan River is unlike most rivers that actually the Jordan River, most of the Jordan River is below sea level. It runs into the Dead Sea. Around it, there's all these mountains. In flood season, the Jordan River goes from about 100 feet wide in most places to about a mile and a half wide. It goes from about five feet deep to about 10 feet deep. And where they crossed was a flooded place. See, this is what happens with God at times. Sometimes we're following God and what can go wrong does go wrong. Anyone feel like that? You trust God, you follow God, and then what can go wrong does go wrong. And sometimes we're like, God, you're mean. Why are you doing this to me? And the reality is this. God doesn't do it because he's mean or wants to hurt you. God does it because he wants to show you that he is a faithful God. See, no one would have believed in generations gone by that God would have stopped the river Jordan when it was only five feet deep. But everybody believed it when it was flood season. See, that they did. They put their foot in the water and the water stopped. It was their own miracle for their generation. See, notice that this time God wanted them to do the work. And that's what faith is. Faith is making that first step. And then trusting in God. See, I've discovered this. Miracles don't just fall out of the sky. The promises of God just don't fall out of the sky. They're always preceded by steps of faith. So don't be fearful of stepping out for God. Even if your life is in a flooded riverbed. So these Israelites... They saw the miracle of God. They crossed over into the promises of God. They saw the impossible become possible. And I ask you today, where is God taking you in your life? Where is God taking you? What are the promises that God has given you? What is the vision that God has for your life?
Are you going to make it? Are you going to get there? Because who you follow determines where you end up. Are you following the right people? Are you following God? Are you trusting in God that God can carry you through? Are you waiting for the flood to die down? Or are you going to make that step of faith? You know, as a church, I believe that we're in that place right now. And, and I feel full of vision for what God is going to do in this church. I've just got, I can't believe what God is going to do. And what I, I feel that God is saying. And a couple of weeks ago, I, I shared just the vision of, of, of where I think we're going. And, and I feel like as a church right now, that is where we're going. But there's this flooded river in front of us. And sometimes I look, I'm like, I have no idea how we're going to get there. But all I know is as a church, if we make a step of faith to God, God will open the path and we'll see the miracles of what God is going to do. So as a church, over the next several months, we're going to trust God. We're going to follow God. We're going to wholeheartedly just follow in what God is telling us to do. And we're going to make some huge steps of faith. And I believe in your life as well. If you follow God and you trust in God and you make the step of faith, watch what God is going to do. So get ready. Because I believe in this community of faith that we call Generation Church. I think we're going to see some miracles happen. I don't know what the miracles are going to be. But all I know, I believe that we're going to see some miracles. That God is going to do some incredible things. What man thought was impossible, God says is possible. And I believe because we are going to make some steps of faith. So you're willing to join with me and make that leap of faith into a flooded river. Let's bow our heads in prayer.